Hello, and thank you for downloading episode two of four of Retrograding's launch day. So excited to have you guys listening. A few shameless plugs and notes before we start. First of all, we are very new, so if you could like and share our Facebook page, share the episodes with all the 80s and 90 kids you know, and give us a five-star iTunes rating, we would greatly appreciate it. Secondly, as always, our music is done by Dominique Barnes. You can find her at Dominique A. Barnes on SoundCloud if you'd like to contact her or hear more. Uh, That's going to do it. For notes on this episode, our next episode is going to be released at noon today, so I will talk to you then. So let's get it started, and let's have some fun. This is Carl. This is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this is Retrograding. This is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks at our favorite childhood movies. This week, we're taking a look at Land Before Time to see if our nostalgia is warranted. All right, Mark, do you want to give us a quick rundown of this film? Yeah, um, I can start. I'll just start off by saying that the reason that I picked this, um, unlike The Goonies, which is still a great movie, this was one that I actually saw as a kid rather than Goonies that I didn't see until college. And um, I guess it had a good impact on my childhood. Um, while I was growing up, we, our family did a thing where we had movie night every weekend, and this was the one that I requested every week. So my parents eventually ended up buying it for me because they didn't want to have to pay to rent it all the time. So, <laughs> unlike my family, which would have just like hidden it in a closet so I could never watch it again. Right, exactly. That's what my family did with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, I, you know, and I never saw that as a kid. Anyway, so getting into the actual plot of the movie, um, it starts off with Littlefoot uh, hatching out of his egg. There's even a part in the, in the narration there that it was talking about how his herd was down to just him and his mother and his grandparents, and he was the last hope for their kind. Yeah, their I actually uh, forgot that he had brothers and sisters, because he is surrounded by cracked eggs that apparently predators have gotten to. Yeah, and his yeah. dad must have died while he's still in the egg. Like, they don't mention that he had a father, but he must have, unless there's Does, some weird incest yeah, going on. There's Is he a Jesus baby? There are a couple theories about that, actually. <laughs> That's um, not how lizards work. Does anyone know if the dad shows up in any of the sequels? He does. Well, the dad doesn't show up, but they talk about him. I don't remember Uh, which one it was, but I read an article that said that there's another thing later on that explains where his dad is or was. Is he dead? It could be. So anyway, Littlefoot is getting born. Um, Baby Littlefoot is the cutest thing ever. He is very cute. Um... (laughs) had nothing to do with the story but no but i want a stuffed one (laughs) actually what i thought was funny at this point already was there's a bunch of other children there for the other species but for some reason there's all these creatures gather around to look at him being born yeah uh it was one of the many lion king parallels that i made 
Because, like, he is surrounded by other animals when he is born. Uh, like, they are amazed that another uh, long neck has been born to this tribe. Yeah. Six years before Lion King, though. Yes, absolutely. After Littlefoot is born, we, we meet Sarah a few scenes later, who... Not me. Is a it's total jerk. kind of his friend, but not really. It's just not another yet. child. And then we get the first instance of dinosaur racism, where they're not allowed to play together. <laughs> yeah, that was heavily uh, put throughout the entire film. That comes up time and time again. It does. Though I, I have to make a retraction that I did on the pre-show. Okay. I made fun of Sarah's name, claiming that it was the worst dinosaur name ever made. I have since had it point out to me that his, she is called Sarah because she is a Triceratops. Yes. Which I did not realize until it was explained to me. Yeah, and Do they you know Spike what? Spike because he's a spike tail. Well, yes. That is a well he didn't ever agree to that name. That's he doesn't true. agree to anything. He doesn't really talk at all. Where are we? He meets Sarah, they try to play, and the parents part them. Eventually, um that you get you get a few cutscenes of him growing up and getting the tree star from his mother for the first time and her explaining what it is. She what also is so magical about tree stars. Does anyone know this? It's what they eat. I guess they're real pretty. But Littlefoot refuses to eat every single one he comes across. Well, most of the leaves don't look like tree stars. They're just real pretty. It's true. Right, but they like they taste better. She well, finds the one tree star left for it, and he decides to carry it with him. Later, he is presented by a magical tree star, uh, and he refuses to eat that one as well, even though all of his friends are starving. Well, he doesn't eat the ones later because, remember, Ducky says his mom gave it to him. Yeah, it was a special one for him. But it just gets destroyed later. That's not his fault. That is true. <laughs> I I don't know. I think... It it just represents the, the love of his parents, maybe? Yeah, uh, I also saw the symbolism of hope, maybe, because he is super depressed until he gets the magical one, and then when the sharp tooth shows up, uh, it crushes it, and they need to go through the mountainous area. Yeah, I was just curious why they are not eating the one leaf that they are carrying with them, even though they are starving the entire time. Because it's magic. <laughs> is it? Yes. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> that was your magic voice? Yes. I don't know exactly why Littlefoot wanders away in the middle of the night. He's chasing a it hopper. Is a bullfrog. Yes. Oh, yeah, he chases He's chasing the hopper. I don't know why his parents didn't, his mom didn't notice him wandering off. I guess she's just sleeping too Probably heavily. because of his size compared to hers. Maybe. Yeah, the babies <laughs> are realize. so small. Yeah, it... It is lit this with a lot of the uh, the creatures in this film. The sense of scale is immensely uh, disproportionate. Because he is about the size of that hopper, as is Sarah, as is Spike. Later, Sarah is compared to, like, the size of the eye of the sharp tooth, which means that they are each about the size of, like, a hedgehog nowadays. So I wonder if, like, their entire journey was just over the course of, like, a living room, and it just takes them that long to get there because of their size. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, yeah. I guess I thought it was just because they were babies and then they grow up throughout the movie. 
you don't notice later on that Littlefoot and Spike and Sarah are much larger than the other two in their group. Oh, for sure. Like, if Littlefoot and Spike and Sarah are the size of my two fists put together, Ducky and Petrie are like the size of one of my thumbs. The two of them put together? <laughs> yeah, well, yes. Thereabouts. Like, they are minuscule. You would have trouble seeing them with a microscope. I am unsure of dinosaur sizes. <laughs> it it just seems weird that there this baby longneck could get crushed by his parent at any given time. You you should know dinosaur sizes, haven't you seen Jurassic Park? But they are all like at least as big as a human. We have no humans to compare to. There are that no is humans. True. Uh, okay. And that could be like prehistoric frog. Have you seen like prehistoric yeah, but, sloths? Yeah. They're like the size of a bus. This frog could be, like, the size of a toddler. Okay, the only frame reference I have is that one of the museums here has a T-Rex skeleton. And if Sarah is the size of one of the T-Rex's eyes, I have a general idea of how big that she is. I feel like this argument is... It, it is... Useless. It's moot, because it's an animated film. <laughs> but it just so... it was something that I noticed and couldn't not notice anymore. <laughs> Maybe the T-Rex had real bad eyes that were swollen <laughs> he had mutant eyes all right so we've got littlefoot and sarah i believe they are about to get attacked they were chasing hopper Mark? yes and then while they are running around having fun in a swamp like area that is the first time we see sharp tooth bum, bum, bum. who I think is portrayed as the main villain of this film. It could be argued that there are other things, but we might get into that later. Um, so, so Sharptooth shows up. He's chasing them around. Obviously, he's the predator in the area. And just in time, Littlefoot's mother comes along and saves them. With some great neck yeah. bashing. Mama is a friggin' beast. Yeah. But uh, before we get to that, um, while they're getting chased by Sarktooth, this is the second time I noticed the parallels between uh, this and Lion King. Because like, when oh. Littlefoot and Sarah are running through the thorn bushes, it was very reminiscent of Nala and Simba running through the ele elephant graveyard trying to escape the, the carnivorous creature after them. Did anybody else notice that parallel? I noticed some Lion King parallels, but not there. Okay. I actually didn't think about the Lion King at all. but <laughs> I did because a character later literally says Circle of Life. Oh, yeah, yes. But yes, there is that. We are getting to him, and I have notes on him. Yes. He's a fun character. He's not there very long, but he's... No, he's, he's, one he's... scene, like, tops two well, minutes. And, okay. He was added. He was, but we'll get to oh. that. So... <laughs> Um, where are we now? So they're getting chased uh, by, through the skeleton. Mama is about to die. Mama beats up the T Rex. Sharptooth. In the process of fighting off Sharptooth, Mama gets some injuries. And yeah, and then there's an like, earthquake. The yeah, earthquake. that she has like a giant gash on her back, which originally was much worse. Like they showed it a lot more violently and took it out. Yes. There are several deleted scenes that they took out because they believed it would be too scary for kids to watch the movie. Yeah, because so, yeah, so, I don't think we see Mama getting bitten there. We no, just see her wound later. Well, we see the shadow, shadow of it. 
Oh, but it was okay. originally actually shown. Oh, God. This would have made this movie even more frightening yeah, for that's children. A, part of the reason it's so short is because a lot of stuff got taken out. Because of horrifying things. Yeah, the entire like this movie is like an hour? Is that with it's, credits? Yeah. It's a little I, over an hour. Yeah, it was like 67 minutes. But I don't know if that included the credits or not. It is by far the shortest Don Bluth movie. So we are about to have a very sad scene. Yeah, so there, there is the earthquake, which... Um, which understands plot and timing perfectly. Yes, the, <laughs> of course. <laughs> happens just in time to... It actually kind of saves them from Sharp Tooth at the same time, but it also splits the families up. Uh, all the children end up on one side while the parents end up on the other. Um, so the Earth just knew where to crack perfectly so that all the kids were separated. Um, someone that I, I read an article somewhere about this that there was a theory that, you know, somewhere throughout the evolution of the Earth that the one supercontinent broke up into several smaller ones and they thought this was a symbolic of that happening during the time of the dinosaurs. Interesting. Pangea. Pangea is Correct. the name of it, yes. Though they never encounter any of like the oceans yes. crashing in. I noticed that too, but <laughs> that was just somebody's theory about the continents moving apart or crashing together or something. It's it's interesting. So it's it's, a, it's at least a thing to think about. But um, yeah. so here we have all the kids get separated. Littlefoot is still with his mom, but the next scene is her slowly dying in a thunderstorm after her fight oh, with Sharktooth. God, and this is this is rough. Cause... At least in most Disney movies, the parents just dead. You don't have to have yeah, like the dying and they just speech disappear. to the child. And like, it's not so bad watching the mother die it's Littlefoot's reaction to the situation that really tugs on the heartstrings <laughs> mama get up yeah mama. what do you mean you'll never be with me you're always with me oh. <laughs> uh, but there is uh, a very nice touch here as they are zooming out Littlefoot remains distinct from the environment but they start shading Mama so much that when they zoom out all the way, Mama is the same shade as the Earth. They do some really cool things with with colors in this movie. Mm-hmm. With, like, yeah, colors it's... of the background kind of giving you clues on what's happening and things like that. And there was a lot oh, of that done on purpose because um, they were told to make it as barren of a landscape as possible, but mm-hmm. in order to keep it interesting, they had to make exciting colors and stuff to <laughs> yeah, make it the color stand scheme out is great it is however the very old school animation which you can see in like uh, scooby-doo where the background is all nice and shaded and things that are going to move are always shaded a lighter color so if you're watching a scene as soon as it starts you can tell what's going to move in that frame i wonder if that was done on purpose because i don't necessarily think other don bluth ones are necessarily like that because i don't remember them being quite so old school looking so i wonder Mm. if it was done on that one on purpose as a stylistic thing that could be i mean there's actually one of the later ones of the don bluth ones but it looks more old-fashioned than some of the others 
like the Fible ones and things like that. Yeah, I could definitely see that. There, it brings me to another point I have written down, which is the the animation level here tends to vary uh, between scene to scene. You get some very nice, complete background scenes with the nice foreground coloration, and a lot of scenes looked like they were half done. And maybe it was, uh, since it's been translated to a digital medium, we can actually stop and pause it, which is not what they were planning on. Uh, in particular, I think there's one scene where they're walking away, pans up on a lot of trees, and guys, these trees look like they were done last minute, that they were just filled in. It doesn't look like it was a complete work done by an artist. I didn't notice that at all, but maybe it's just me. Oh, there's another scene where they are tracking motion. Uh, I think where uh, Ducky is riding Littlefoot, uh, where you can see the, the black outline around Ducky completely distinct from the background. It's very reminiscent of like uh, one of these Star Wars ships flying out in space. Didn't bother me. Ah, uh, it drove me nuts. Anyway, I so Mama, well, I think one. you will Mama find died. you will Mama find died. a lot of stuff in animated movies though because they'll have different animators doing different scenes. So you may have the same character, but it may be slightly different style mm. just because of who's drawing it. Anyway, Mama's dead. Mama died. Um, so I'm trying to remember, actually, I forget here. I know he's wandering around in the wilderness. He runs into Sarah again. Is that before or after? No. Uh, so if we're going chronologically, this is where he runs into the dinosaur equivalent of a wise old black man yes. by he, the name of Ruder. Ruder, who actually was added to the thing afterwards. They had uh, screened the movie to several child psychologists to make sure that it wouldn't be too scary for children, and the psychologist recommended adding a character to kind of give a pep talk afterwards. <laughs> so Yeah, it's rare to see in a children's movie, even children's movies of our time, where they are teaching children about accepting death. Yeah, so he's actually the same voice as the narrator. Correct. Interesting. Yes. Okay, I did not make that connection. Oh, I did right away. Like, it's the oh. same wise old man voice. That sounds weirdly <laughs> like Christopher Lloyd, but is not Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> um, I did not make yeah. that connection, but okay. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're the I, same I voice, because they, they added him and they needed an old man voice. But basically, it's just like, people die, it's the circle of life. Yeah, another Lion King parallel. Yep. Oh. And um, it soon after this, we see Littlefoot go through like the five stages of grief following death, which again is very rare in a children's movie to see someone go through these stages. And time and time again, it just breaks your heart because uh, they keep coming back to him thinking that his mother is alive, that she somehow survived, but it turns out no buddy she's still dead right after this is one of my favorite scenes that i always remember for some reason and it's like 15 seconds is this the the vignette with the birds and the cherry yes yes yeah i like I that love scene. that scene it's a, and i wish I, there was more little so vignettes sad like when that. he doesn't take the cherry yeah but i remember them fighting over the cherry and their mom bringing them more cherries <laughs> everybody wins yeah but i that is one scene i vividly remember from my childhood is Aww. the cherry scene 
<laughs> it is probably one of my favorite there's scenes. There's a lot the of like thing. they're they're cute little birds and they're just going peep 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 peep. <laughs> <sighs> it is a very good scene. Um yeah, and then and then so to summarize what the scene is since Sarah didn't really explain it. <laughs> All the little birds come out and are fighting over the one cherry that's left on this tree. And in their fight, another creature comes along and steals it from them, and then they all get sad. And then their mama bird comes out and gives all of them the extra cherries that she has. Um, and as they're walking away, one of them sees Littlefoot there looking all sad and tries to give away his cherry after fighting so hard for it. And Littlefoot won't even look at him <laughs> and just ignores him the whole time. And it's, you know, they're all making their happy peep-peep-peep noises while they're fighting for a cherry. And when he, when Littlefoot ignores him, he's like, oh, and then walks away all sad. Oh, it's cutest scene. Yes, this is when Littlefoot is in the stage of depression following his mother's death. I did have something about that, the different stages he was going through, but I... There's supposed to be, I thought, seven stages of depression, but I did not see all seven of them. So I think there's five, maybe? Let's see. Yeah. Maybe I made that up. Because you have denial, bargaining, uh, anger, depression, and acceptance. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well then, good. Because those are the ones that I remembered, but for some reason I thought there were seven. Hmm. Maybe I made uh, it up. Anyway. Yeah, I think he will stay in his depression until he receives a magic tree star from above. As he yes, he is wandering again in the wasteland, actually walking through Sharptooth's footprints, which he doesn't seem to notice, and <laughs> and he's crying, and then suddenly light shines down from heaven or somewhere, and a tree star falls out of who knows where, because there's no trees anywhere nearby. <laughs> Maybe it was this... the same tree star he just forgot about and didn't eat before. <laughs> so the tree star comes and lands, and uh, it talks to him with his mother's voice. Which... We get yet another Lion King parallel of him looking into the water and ha- rippling and it it's almost his mother's face it's not as clear as simba turning into mufasa in the lion king but it is his mom communicating to him from beyond so she reminds him of what his i guess quest should be or where Mm -hmm. he needs to go um so they're trying to get to the great valley which is where all the dinosaurs are going because all the food is gone everywhere else but in the great valley it's all still green trees and plants to eat and apparently no predators anywhere either which is basically like a cult at this point because they're like you have to have faith in things you can't see because no one's been there they're just like we just know about it and how does mama know how to get there very specific instructions on what he's going to see along the way if she's never been there herself. there's that but also the fact that none of the other parents bothered to tell any of their kids how to get there because throughout the (laughs) whole movie he's the only one that knows the way there because their parents don't love them (laughs) (laughs) well well, again, well, someone pointed true out it could for be Petrie's parents, especially. Yes. 
But somebody mentioned it could be, again, partially the dinosaur racism because they have to go by the rock that looks like a long neck, and none of the other ones wanted to talk about that, so they just didn't explain it to their kids. Yeah, all the that other ones think looks... it looks like a triceratops or a pterodactyl. A real weird mutant one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pterodactyl with a very long neck. Shut up, kids. That's the way we're going. So I guess this is the point, then. Is this... He did yes. not. He did not have the tree star yet when he ran into Sarah the second time, though, did he? I believe he did. I believe he gets the tree star, and that's what breaks him out of his depression to go on the trip. Uh, we get another depressing scene where he sees his own shadow and thinks it's his mother. Oh. Uh, then he runs into Sarah, and they part ways. Again. Yes, again. He tries to get Sarah to come with him, and she decides that she knows better, and she's gonna go her own way because she knows how to get go there. Go and own way, which is a continuing theme. True. Yeah, Sarah is very, very stubborn. Refuses to go along with the group, thinking that she is racially superior. It's very true. Still not me. <laughs> <Are you sure? laughs> Different Sarah. Okay. And we could, we should keep making that decision. Yeah. Yes, anyway. It, they... So, I think this is where Littlefoot meets Ducky, the most adorable dinosaur ever. Oh, yes. Um, she pops up out of the water and sees him crying, but she is so cheerful. <laughs> Eventually... Well, he changes her, his mind about her real fast. He's like, yes. no, get well, away from me. Get away from I me. Like I can't play here. with you. Because it is it is so true to what children would actually do when, you know, Sarah convinces them that they shouldn't play because they're different species. He is hurt and then pushes that hurtness onto another person. The conversations that are like between Littlefoot, Ducky, and Sarah a lot of times feels a lot like they just stuck the kids in a booth and had them talk to each other. Like, it feels really a lot like conversations of those kids. Hmm. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Like, Ducky especially, I think, like, a lot of her stuff was improvised. Yeah. Because she kind of just talks to herself a little bit. As, a vo as opposed to, like, voice actors playing young. They were just, like, mm -hmm. probably, like, 10-year-olds doing the lines. And it felt like that when yeah, it was, and especially those three together. Hmm. Yeah, and it came clear to me watching it back as an adult, but they never really explain the gender of Ducky. It's supposed to be communicated that she is a female, but as a kid, I just assumed she was a little boy. Uh, I think she exhibits a lot of the characteristics of one of like the little rascals, where you know it's just a really very shy, very friendly little boy who hasn't really grown into uh, his masculinity yet, uh, but. Yeah, definitely looking back on it, I think the eyelashes is the key. Yes! Mm -hmm. <laughs> I always thought she was a girl. I always thought she was a girl. I don't know. <laughs> Carl's alone on this one. I, apparently, I don't see gender very well. Ducky does have one of my favorite lines in this scene, which is, you should not eat talking trees. <laughs> oh, we're already at that part? Yeah, nope, let's nope, skip nope, ahead. Nope, nope. Well, this comes really... Soon it after, does. they're like, don't, yes. don't sip on they a cracker and you'll the... fall and break your back. You don't like yeah, that one? Oh, that is out. adorable. That is adorable little seed. Uh, but if you don't we, think we about the fact that tree. his mother just like died and broke her back. 
Yeah, oh, oh yeah, they do definitely change that. They specifically avoid saying mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For that very reason. <laughs> oh, but yes, he pulls on a tree and they meet Petrie, uh, who must be the most unloved by his parents, because his parents would not be affected by the Earthshake. It's his parents could definitely come and get him. Well, it even shows during the Earthshake scene that there are birds flying, or, or well... Flyers. Pterodactyls, whatever they yes. are, are flying around. Um, but I think the point to that, it's almost where he was almost handicapped, maybe, and got left behind because everyone else could just fly away, and they left him because he couldn't keep up. Because we realize that he is a flying creature that cannot right. fly. Which is rough stuff, if you think about it. Yes, that his parents are going to leave him behind simply because he can't move as quickly as other children. I would feel bad, but looking now at this as an adult, I don't like Petrie quite as much oh. as I did when I was a child. Oh, what? No, Petrie is super annoying, for sure. <laughs> uh, this is another parallel I made to a lot of other animated films. This character, I think this is the first occurrence of it, of a flying character who's very toss-facking, or fast-talking, rather, uh, and is super annoying. Um, I think Robin Williams does one in Fern Gully, and there's also a bat creature in Anastasia who is very much like this. I thought the bat was a bad guy. Oh, he Anastasia. is. Yeah, well, kind of. Yeah, he's anyway, the sidekick of Rasputin, the main villain. His personality isn't really the problem. The problem is when all of your other child characters are voiced by actual children... And this character is voiced by a middle-aged man doing a character voice. It's real weird. It it just throws everything off for me. Like I don't like it. And I wouldn't have even noticed that. But oh, I super noticed it. Oh, that did not ring a bell for me. But yeah, I can oh, see yeah. it now. He he has a adult voice, and everyone else is an actual child. At first, I didn't even know is he supposed to be an, a a child or is he just like an adult flyer who's really bad at doing everything. <laughs> and is he just like the weird adult that they picked up in the middle of the forest? No, the weird adult is Spike later. No, yes. he's a baby. <laughs> yes, he is a he baby. Is a baby. But... We see him hatch, but uh, he is. But like all the other ones, you know, they're little kids, but until they say something about Petrie being a young like, Flyer, I thought he was just, like, an adult because <laughs> of his voice. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I did not think I did not think that. this is a child. I liked Petrie as a child. Yeah, I think He's... I liked him as well. I think I Ducky like and Petrie are my favorite characters as a child. Yes. I still like Ducky. It's interesting watching this because, I again, I grew up with this as my favorite movie, so I knew a lot of the lines. I know what's coming up and all this, but I just... Mm-hmm. Watching as an adult here, I tried to kind of slow down and actually get to what was behind <laughs> the characters and the psychology also, of it. So, yeah. Also, like me, Littlefoot hates Petrie. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because Petrie tried to steal his tree star. Which he, is he, very he almost important. broke it. He yeah, and then he's like, it. I'm going to hold it anyway. I'll protect it. He's like, get off me. Yeah, seriously. You do not get to ride me, even though you're handicapped. Uh, so I think next scene would be uh, where Sarah runs into Sharptooth. Yes. 
She yes. finds him underground oh, yeah. wherever he crashed, and she thinks he's dead, so she's just playing around headbutting him. Oh, so of course, him. she needs to hit him as of hard course. as she can she to show dominance things. over a dead body. But psych, totally not dead. You probably just woke him up. So, yeah, at that point, she runs away screaming, and I, the other three had run into a skeleton or something that w- and that yeah. was and they yes. were running around in the woods so they were all screaming yeah. and they Little ended up running had right the back skeleton into Sarah. on him and then this is the part where Sarah almost kills Ducky That's right yeah <laughs> she like they, stomps she on the him. log Yes and, and this is Ducky. where we meet Spike she purposely oh. draws out this story to try to scare everyone just so she can show that she's braver than them. <laughs> but she right. stomps on the log and, then, and almost kills Ducky. She stomps on a thing, it flings Ducky across the world, and she lands in Spike's nest. Yeah, and her first... which brings me to another note I have, is that he is finding all of his friends by mistake. Yes. Isn't that how you find your friends? <laughs> Uh, sometimes it's intentional. I mean, kinda. Yeah, a little bit. But I mean, it's always like, let me pull on this tree. Oh, there's a bird in it. Let me fling, <laughs> fling this guy and nearly kill him. Oh, he found an egg. Weird. But, I guess we're friends now. But Ducky with the egg is the cutest thing ever. Where she's like, you Come overslept. Out. Come on, it's time to get up. <laughs> and Spike so, is like an old man dog baby. Is what I called him. Yes, so we had exactly Littlefoot's true. mother and Ruder to kind of teach children about coping with death mm-hmm. and then you have Petrie who is just kind of crazy but oh, yeah. I feel like Spike is almost to the point of um, mentally handicapped oh no I think Spike knows exactly what's going on at all points of time he just does not care he's just his... <laughs> but he, okay so he doesn't hatch on time and then yeah. later he doesn't know how to talk apparently I don't know. He just seems well, like... Well, we don't know that here. Um, I think we could argue that he is a child and maybe doesn't have the power of speech yet, even though Littlefoot kind of came out of the womb or the egg talking. Well, he doesn't, because he, in that baby <laughs> stage where he has, mm-hmm. like, the super fat cheeks, he doesn't talk. He just licks his mom. That's true. He, uh, he's though, a completely different shape when he starts talking. I do know that in a later movie, they do reveal that Spike is kind of handicapped. Uh, We're not talking about the sequels. They have a different creative team. But it does happen to be canon for the series, though they weren't particularly thinking about it in this movie. And I'm glad that he said that, because I actually didn't even know that. But it proves my point. Hooray! Yeah. But different creative team does not count. Right. A lot of people Ah. do not consider it canon. I did not watch them. They don't count. I think I made it to the third in the series for these before abandoning it as a whole. Don Bluth was not involved. It's not real. I didn't even know there were sequels until like like five, six years ago, maybe? I might have seen like the first one with like a cousin I was babysitting or something like that, but... I don't know. All right, so where are we? So we've got our full team. We've got Spike and Petrie, and whose mo- main and motivation and seems to be Spike's motivation seems to be food and sleep, and yep. I identify with that. So Spike <laughs> is like Spike is Spike is mine. My yeah. favorite. I just love, and he has great faces where he's just like, eh, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. I'm the parallel that I drew watching this is that Littlefoot 
you know, uh, tends to go towards good. Sarah tends to go towards evil-ish. And Spike is kind of right there in the center as a neutral character. So okay. where are we going? We've got the full team. Is this where they start in this earnest? Is... Do they pass the um, I long neck thing yet? Where... Yes. Is it the long neck rock next, or is it the tree, the little... It's probably the Grove of Tree Stars. Yeah, my next note is it wasn't tree stars. They were just trees. Correct. Right. Yeah. Because when they go Sarah to Sarah next... does claim that it is the Great Valley without knowing anything about the Great Valley. They just I found trees. it. <laughs> um because yes. when they find the other trees a little farther off, they are not tree star leaves. They are just yes. normal leaves. They're just normal leaves. Um, yeah. Then this is again where Sarah tries to prove that she's better than everyone else. Um, at, the character. Once, <laughs> well. <laughs> they did. I wrote a note about the the first set of trees that the big ones all eat. That was later the movie answered it for me. Which was how were they supposed to le reach those leaves anyway? Oh. But then later they can't reach them anyway. They have to stack on top of mm -hmm. each other. So the movie yeah, answered it get, for me anyway. They get real hard trodden because they see this grove of trees. They hear a rumble, think it's a great shake again, and then a bunch of long necks that apparently aren't related to Littlefoot and apparently don't have their own families to continue the species uh, come in. They rush in. They eat everything. It's like seven of them. They eat it in like a minute and they run off. Yeah, but if they had to be full grown adults to eat the get to the top of the leaves. Those kids were not going to. And I'm oh, like... they had so well, much trouble getting to, like, the baby tree where they had yeah. to stack on top of each other. But I thought that was dumb, but then they answered it for me later when they're like, how are we supposed to do this? And I'm like, yeah, didn't think that through, did ya? Oh, <laughs> uh, we do get a delightful scene here where Sarah, again, kind of doing her own thing, mm -hmm. convinces her that she can get her own leaves and just keeps ramming her head into a she tree. She probably could have, if she hadn't hit it at the roots, if she had gone up to the top and hit it just at the trunk, she probably, her plan would have worked. But regardless, Littlefoot tries to make her feel a little better by gathering a bunch of leaves and waiting until she hits it and then throwing the leaves on top of yeah. her. So you're just Tricky saying he's Sarah. an enabler. Yeah, a little bit. And he's also very, he's so kind to her, even though she gives him shit all the time. Although, he gives it back quite a bit. Like, they're both pretty bad at working together. <laughs> that is true. They do come yeah. to blows a little late in the film. Um, and then we go from that to to where they are, I guess, getting ready to go to bed for the night. Oh. It's right from the tree scene after Sarah eats the leaves that she, quote, caught herself. And <laughs> um, she starts talking about Sharptooth again. Littlefoot doesn't believe her that Sharptooth is alive because his mom is the one who killed him at the beginning. I mean, he should be dead. He should right. be. He saw that. He saw Sharptooth fall into the pit. Sharptooth should be dead. And he got whacked rights. like a ton of times. Yeah. But uh, so he doesn't believe her. She wanders off. Uh, Ducky gets a little scared thinking about Sharptooth, so she leads Spike away to go sleep near Sarah because I guess they feel safer over there. And Petrie goes with them, so Littlefoot is left all by himself. Right. Now, here's where Littlefoot kind of goes against character because he's supposed to be like the good guy of the film. You think the good guy would go with the rest of the crew. They're deciding to go over there. Sure, why don't I go over there? But no, he 
decides he's going to be a maverick and do his own thing and decides I, to sleep on his own. I wouldn't say it goes against character because he's shown time and time again he's very stuck in his own thinking. He gets in his plan and he stays that way. And every time anyone says, well, maybe something is better, he's like, no, no, my, my way is the best way and we have to do this. And he's never very good explaining why they have to do this. Like, why do we have to go to the Great Valley? We just have to. My mom said so. Right. Okay, That's well, where we all don't the families are, apparently. But, but he never says that. He never says your families are probably there. He says it like once at the very beginning. Right. But every time they say after that, he never explains again, like, the food is there. Your parents are there. Stuff like that. He's just like, we have to. My mom said so. Well, your mom's <laughs> dead and we don't. We never met your mom. So. Oh, rough stuff. Can you but imagine like, saying that to a child? No. But, 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 but they're also children and they don't know why they're having to go on this stupid journey and why they're listening to this one person who's telling them stuff that they have no like someone their own age is telling them no we got to do it and he's very like we're going to do it my way because I know it and that's it I'm not going to change my mind he's just as stubborn as Sarah is it's just you are right. we have information that says no he is right so we think he's doing the right thing hmm. we know the great valley is there so well, we think yes, yes he's doing the right thing the film before yes so we, we know he's doing the right thing but if we had no information and if we were ducky or or Petrie and stuff, and we just had this crazy kid who said, my mom says it's there. She's never been there. No one's ever mm -hmm. been there, but we know it's there. Would you be like, uh, maybe not? That's ah, an interesting point. Yeah, he does kind of force the wedge between the teams uh, here and also a little later in the film where they have to decide yeah. which way to go. Yeah, but so there's... The way the scene resolves uh, is actually pretty nice because I guess he couldn't, she couldn't stand the snoring. Uh, Ducky gets up and decides to wander over to Littlefoot, and then apparently everybody else wakes up and does the same thing, leaving Sarah all alone and cold. Okay. And so she decides to suck it up and join the team, which is really what Littlefoot should have done in the first place. But yet, this doesn't continue throughout the rest of the night as I'm sure Petrie continued snoring. Right, exactly. Ducky should just continue back and forth for the rest of the night. There was nowhere else to go. Sarah came and joined them. I mean, she could just, like, hang out by the tree. Yeah, so the next morning, they get interrupted by Sharptooth, and it turns out they were sleeping in a Sharptooth uh, footprint, because his foot goes directly in the shape of that hole they were sleeping in. <laughs> He, and he it, walks the same path every time, apparently. Every time. He's like a video game sentry. you got to learn his uh, control pathways. Uh, so, And this is where the tree star gets destroyed. Mm -hmm. they, they're running away from Sharptooth, and they leave it behind, and it gets stepped on while it's there. Uh, where see. do we go from here? I think they go through a hole, and they find the, the long neck tree statue. Tree statue? No, stone statue. Stone statue. <laughs> yes. Statue is better. <laughs> anyway, they start hiking up this hill because he, now he has to go to the mountains of fire, which... Are volcanoes. Are volcanoes, turns out. Which I did not make that parallel as a kid. But I assumed it should be very... like the sunset behind mountains. No. That wouldn't yeah. make sense. But they didn't... Well, oh, right. before, before they get to the mountains of fire, though, is when... Well, oh, or was right. it before or was it, I guess, during? I think uh, they go up a giant hill and they're technically kind of in the volcano. Uh, but you do get another delightful fun scene here, which is they're climbing up 
uh, and it, it's a, such a short scene. If you blink, you're going to miss it. They're climbing up. Littlefoot steps across a gap, and then every single one of his friends, except for Sarah, uses him as a bridge to get across the same gap. And then, the end of the scene, Sarah just walks in from stage right, meaning none of that was necessary. His friends have just used him as an object for no reason whatsoever. It's fine. He kind of uses them later for something. True. But, yeah, I think, Mark, to your point, this is where they go over the lip of the hill after a hard climb. They realize this is not the Great Valley, and we get another division between the teams. Everybody yeah, gets, like... gets mad at Littlefoot because they thought that he's leading them here, and, and he never said the that, that the Great Valley was right here. He said it could be right over this hill, and then when mm-hmm. they get up to the top and it's not there, they all get mad at him and think that he's misleading them or something. Which so is why he's really bad at giving like explanations, because wasn't there... Was the Mountains of Fire the last thing? Yes, they get past okay. the... It was two steps that the mom gave them, which okay. is not enough instructions to get anywhere. <laughs> but it was still, it was like... Two points it's still make a line, pa- Carl. You think he would still be like, this is the last step, but we've got to, it'll be past this. So we have to get past it, not be like, yeah, it's in the Volcano Mountains. Mm-hmm. So he's not very good at explaining things. Did, did, like, he ever say, this is the information my mom said, so if we can get past these two things, it should be beyond there. No, he's just like, no, it's fine, my mom says it's fine. <laughs> so here uh, is when Sarah and Littlefoot finally take it outside, so to speak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> instead of just yelling at each other, they finally decide to actually beat each other up, and I think the thing that really threw them over the edge was when... Um, Sarah called Littlefoot's mother a stupid long neck. <laughs> and Dinosaur racism. He was, he was a little upset about this because obviously yeah, he's, he is dead. He's very hurt about his mother still. It's been like a day. So, um, yeah, that kind of starts there. I guess what would you call it? It's not a fist fight. It was just like ramming into each other with their heads. Yeah, they, they came to blows. They were button heads. It's a dino fight. The dino fight. I like it. I feel like that should be a sound clip for us. Like, I don't uh, know if it... Dino no, yeah. fight! Exactly. <laughs> it's dino fight! We got multiple uh, sound clips now. Excellent. I, I don't know that anybody even won that fight. No, no they just like, we're done, we split. It just, it split the party, which is never a good idea. It was just like, Littlefoot was walking away, and she ran up and hit him from behind. So, I don't know, and then she just kind of thought that she had won, because he didn't get back up and fight again. Right, so we get our division between the two sides. Sarah decides that she doesn't want to really work anymore, she wants to take the easier path. Uh, Littlefoot knows that they have to get over these mountains, and so he takes the more arduous path up the top of this hill... And at this point, the rest of the team is just super tired. So more out of fatigue than anything else, they decide to follow Sarah. Which, when you get to the very next scene, her way wasn't really that much easier because now they're walking down through, like, lava flows and stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And weirdly a tar pit? Oh, yes. I have a note on this. uh, Because we can clearly see that there are adult skeletons in that tar pit. Later in the thing, uh, I think Sarah gets separated from the party. She jumps a of gaff, which drops Petrie into the tar pit. So he starts slowly dying. Um, yeah. 
I think uh, Spike and Ducky get trapped on a rock with lava all around them, causing Littlefoot to come in yes. and save them. Then they all run over to save Petrie, and they all get trapped in this tar pit. And this is never resolved. Well, we don't see how they get out of this thing. No, yes, that's true. Even though, like, tar pits are an actual danger for dinosaurs. Yeah, it's great that you can go see them and go see dinosaurs. Right, exactly. I mean, bones. <laughs> uh, so I think Sarah has found that she's, um, oh, what did I call them? Helmet heads I like... is what the note I had for them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she's getting attacked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then the She's in some completely other cave. Yeah, and then the Indian god Vishnu comes to save them all. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know what that thing was, but it was. Yeah. It has kind of an elephant trunk. It has several arms, and it is walking along. It's covered in black stuff, which we learned to be tar. That somehow uh, just drips off of them eventually. Yeah, which uh, scares away the the hard hats and saves Sarah. It's... But Sarah totally, like, how did she not hear Petrie when he falls? He's just like, help, you've left me. And she's like, oh, whatever. I don't, I think <laughs> don't she just worry. didn't we'll care just because going. she's Sarah. Yeah, probably. I wouldn't care because it's Petrie. <laughs> uh, so right after this, uh, Sarah runs away because she got embarrassed that she needed saving, I guess. And we get uh, kind of a useless narration here. I mean, because... Film is such a visual medium, and they have something where they can show anything they want through animation. To me, if you need voiceover to really hammer in a point, then you haven't made it clearly with the visual elements of the film. Like the scene earlier with the cherry and the little birds and stuff. There's no dialogue in that scene at all, but it still gets across what the point that they're trying to make. Exactly so. I think the uh, narration here just says that Sarah was upset because she could not admit that she went the wrong way. Which we can visually see that she's upset. I don't think the narration is really useful here. They get past this, and I think this is where they find the lake? They're, they're swimming in a lake for some reason, just swimming around. Now they're not depressed anymore. Suddenly they're able to have fun. Maybe it's to get the, the tar off of them, uh, which was dripping off anyway, as you said. Okay, dome heads are Pachycephalosaurus. Yes. Oh, I like my name better. <laughs> Hard hats is way easier to say. Okay. Uh, so, just so we know. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, if we ever get some listeners to this, I'm sure they would write in to correct us. <laughs> uh, so they don't have to now. They are in a lake. They look up into the sky, and who is jumping around on incredibly tall rock <laughs> formations? Yeah. It's Sharp Tooth. How did he get I, there? Magic. Nobody knows. And I magic noticed dinosaur. this before, like I was watching it this week, and he's on like this really tall, narrow yeah. tower of stone. It's not even like connected to the rest of the mountain, so I don't know how he got over there or why. He's it is slightly there. explained later because we learned that Tyrannosaurus rexes apparently have amazing jumps. Yeah, well, that's he's got true. the ups. Yeah, they got crazy ups. Well, I mean, they don't have any upper body strength because they have no arms. <laughs> true. So. <laughs> yes, which is their plan. If they can get uh, Sharptooth into the deep part of the lake, he will not be able to get out uh, because his small arms will not be able to swim out. And I know as a kid, I never knew what he was saying there because it's something about scrawny arms, but he just says it so weird in the movie that I could not understand the word. I had to ask my mom what it was. <laughs> Aww. 
my note here is don't use friends as bait. Oh, yeah, they all simultaneously agree hmm. that one of these smallest dinosaurs should act as bait to this killing machine that has murdered his mother earlier in the well, film. To be fair, the other two that are bigger are the ones that had to push the rock over, so she wouldn't have been much help there anyway. Yeah. Ducky can swim. Yes. I mean, it. out of the four of them that are there at the time, it's probably the best choice, but, like, she didn't volunteer. They all just kind of leer at her until she agrees. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, so she goes into the cave, and Sharptooth is in there. You can tell that she's scared, mm -hmm. because, I mean, who wouldn't be? But <laughs> she screams really, really loud just to get his attention, and she hides. Somehow he gets from in front of her to behind her, and then he chases her down Magic. the mountain into the lake. Mm-hmm. So, plan has gone according to plan so far, <laughs> which is the best way to say that. Uh, so, uh, Petrie learns that he can't really whistle, because he has several <laughs> attempts, uh, but finally manages it. And so, Which makes no sense, because he has a beak. Yeah, it's well, I guess, magic. Like, parrots can whistle, so maybe. Oh, yeah, okay. maybe. But he, uh, he also learns that he needs sharp tooth breath to fly because <laughs> he's falling off the cliff but sharp tooth is right underneath him trying to bite him and breathes something out his nose mm -hmm. and suddenly petrie learns how to fly yeah, that is I just after we learn magic t-rex the plan was very flawed because littlefoot and spike try to push this rock and learn that they can't do it uh we learned that uh T-Rexes have amazing jumps because he gets, he jumps and now he is grappled onto the rock that they're trying to push over. So in addition to the rock, they now have the T-Rex's weight to deal with. And I think this is another point where the sense of scale is slightly skewed because previously we learned that they're about the size of a T-Rex's eye. The rock is only slightly larger than them and I think it, it hitting a T-Rex's head wouldn't knock him out. I don't think the rock is big enough or hard enough to do that. Especially if he survived falling down a cliff earlier in the movie. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but this is where Sarah rejoins the team so that they can all push over the rock, uh, forcing the T-Rex into the water. Plan success. That thing is super dead. But we also Hopefully. almost lose Petrie. Which almost. I would have been so happy with if he had just not been in the film anymore. It was like um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. He rides a tank off the edge of a cliff and magically is still alive. Yeah, or Indiana like Jones. John Cusack five different times in the movie 2012. He, we think he is gone, and amazingly, he has survived. So d does he know how to fly now? Did the magic breath from the T-Rex just teach him yeah, how to yeah, his wings? Yeah, he was actually flying for part of that scene, going down to try to save Ducky. Oh, right. And he says he's a flyer when he gets back to his mom. That's mm -hmm. true, and he actually flaps his wings. <laughs> uh, so mission success, T-Rex is dead. Uh, Littlefoot decides to climb up on his own giant rock and talk to his mom in the clouds. Because now they have followed her two instructions and still don't know where to go. And and you get your next Lion King parallel. Mm -hmm. Never forget who you are. I mean, follow me to the Great Valley. 
So, but I, does she actually talk to him from up there? Because then the clouds blow away, and he's like, "Don't leave me!" And he's chasing the clouds through a cave in the mountain, right. and that's how they find the Great Valley because right. they come out the other side. I think he gets up there somehow, uh, and the clouds are in the shape of a long neck. And then when she starts to go, he says, "Don't leave me!" Um, and then I think they go into a shape of a long neck again once they reach the Great Valley. And light from above shines down on him, first then reveals the Great Valley, and it is exactly what they were looking for. Yay! Ta-da! We have a wonderful and then, reunion. So Spike becomes part of Ducky's family yeah, for some reason. Appar- is... Apparently the rest of his herd didn't make it to the Great Valley. Second movie in a row where we randomly adopt someone. <laughs> yeah, we randomly adopt a very strong semi-mute character. Just like, this is our new brother, Spike. <laughs> and okay. his family just totally accepts it. Apparently, Spike doesn't have parents. Yeah, well, they mentioned that his parents are dead. I don't know how they what? know this, but they do. When they first meet him, he, they said, Spike has no parents. I don't Interesting. Well, I would have assumed Maybe. that would be like children making up their own way to describe the universe as opposed to it being actual canon for the yeah. thing. It's not assumed that, but they at least abandoned him. So we get a wonderful reunion and a terrible flashback to finish the film. It is less of a flashback and more of a montage of everything you've just watched in the past hour. I'm wondering because I wonder if it's just because they cut so much out of it that they added this thing to get another 30 seconds into the movie. Yeah, it did seem (laughs) like an afterthought. Because, I mean, eventually Littlefoot goes to his grandparents and... They start showing a flashback of him knowing his grandparents the day he was born, which we literally saw like 40 minutes earlier. Also, I don't think that was his grandparents that he does that with. I think that's his mom. That he In the likes nuzzles. Yeah, oh, okay. that he yes, nuzzles. Yes, yes. That's his mom. Yes. So it doesn't make sense anyway in that flashback. <laughs> but his grandparents were there. Right, they were there they in were the day of his birth. In the background. Right. Uh, and then we the flashback continues and just does little vignettes throughout his entire adventure, which might have been like the past two days for this character. And actually, the very last flashback you see is him talking to his mother in the clouds. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so if you're looking to watch this movie, I recommend just watching the flashback. You pretty much get the entire thing. No. <laughs> But then you don't get to experience the lovely Petri that everybody likes so much. Oh, of course. But the music, and yeah, you don't get to experience the music. Oh, the music is so oh, good. But the you music, know who wrote the music? James Horner. Who is... is he's known for doing um, James Cameron movies. Oh. Such as Titanic and Avatar. So, to finish the film, let's do this. All the children get together... We get another useless narration telling us that they they all grow Not up useless, together. Useless, he has a great voice. Yes, he does have a wonderful <laughs> voice, but it's kind of unnecessary. He basically tells the story that these five dinosaurs will always be friends as they grow up. The end. Except to all the millions of sequels. Yes. It, it, there's something well, there no, about how they, they grow up forever in the Great Valley. and Their story and is for generations talked about for generations and generations. Yeah. And right. I'm like, yeah, except they have like... 14 more sequels now. And a TV show. I did not know about the TV show. Oh, I did It was not know Canadian. Oh, okay, that explains it. Well, 
okay. All right. So we've made it through the entire thing. Sequels. Was there anything we missed that we want to go back to? Any other notes you guys want to visit? I, uh, well, so one of the things that I read about, which you kind of hinted at earlier, there were people um, theorizing that this was a biblical allegory. Oh, yes, the Jesus baby. Due to, first of all, first of all, Littlefoot born without a father. Mm hmm. But then you have Littlefoot, who's the side of good. Sarah is the side of evil, trying to lead them astray because Littlefoot is leading them to the right place through his faith for going to a place that he's never I been to before. I would not say which is Sarah is the side of evil. Yeah, she is not an allegory for the no, devil. No, but well, I'm just saying. I, what I, I understand. Read. I think those nerds have a little bit more, too much time in their hand. And anyway. I would say Littlefoot's more like, I don't know, Moses, maybe? Yeah, wandering desert. through the desert, sure. Well, correct. And it mentions later about how Petrie dies mm -hmm. and then comes back to life. Wait, so he's the Jesus of this story? Apparently. That's the. <laughs> no, Petrie! <laughs> you suck! <laughs> Petrie is not my lord and savior. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, oh my random my random quiz for this movie is this is the only Don Bluth movie from this era that does not feature the voice of Dom DeLuise. Oh, yeah. Random cuz he was uh was he like the big dog character or big cat? No. The cat. Yes. In mm -hmm. the 501s and he was a voice in all of the others. Oh, and... I love me some Dom DeLuise. So, speaking of I mean, he's Don dead Bluth. now. Yes. Don did you know Bluth? anything about Don Bluth's history? No, I do. tell us. Oh, apparently he grew up being a big fan of Disney movies. He worked for Disney before he... worked he... for Disney beginning in, a lot of big in movies. 1955, Whoa. but became, didn't become an animator until 1971. And then after becoming an animator, according to what I found, he decided that the movies were... Uh, he let me see. His quote was, "Walt would have realized the films were losing their luster, so he left the company in '79, and that's when he fil uh, formed his own company to start making films. And this came out the same weekend as Oliver and Company, Aww. which is the reason they didn't have Dom DeLuise because he was doing Oliver and Company. <laughs> yeah, but okay. Apparently, this did better in the box office. Like for the first month, it was number one over well animated movies anyway. This trying to remember. This Oliver was the best. I cannot place it. Why should I? Exactly worry? because Oliver Why and Company should was I terrible. <laughs> I liked I Oliver that and Company. Movie. It had it was Billy good. Joel. Oh, um, no! This I, was one okay. of the. I liked it when I when I first watched it. Went you know back then, but I saw it a few years ago, and it was not as good. <laughs> but this was one of the uh, best-selling or best-grossing animated mm. films of its time. Yes. Mm. Um, it was the, it was the best grossing animated film until, until it got something knocked else out. came along. It yeah. was one of the like the Disney Renaissance movies that kicked it out, like Beauty and the Beast mm -hmm. or something like that. Mermaid, maybe. Yeah, maybe Little Mermaid, because Little Mermaid would have come out the next year in '89. All right, shall we game? Let us game. <laughs> So, first game, as you know, is the pitch movie. So, give me this movie in terms of other movies. Um, doesn't have to be before it. Just 
in terms of this meets this. So what is Land Before Time? All right, Land Before Time is Homeward Bound meets Jurassic Park. That is very, very good. And it takes some of the ones that I written down. Uh, Mark, do you, ah. Mark, do you have one? So I will start this by saying I actually talked to a couple different people and asked them this question just to see what they would sure. say. Everybody that I talked to wanted it to be Jurassic Park. And I purposely did not want to use that because it's just another dinosaur movie and I felt it was a cop-out. Um, also because Jurassic Park is a scary movie and this was not really scary. It was I a children's know. movie. Some parts of it scared me as a child. Well, yeah. Yeah, one of the ones I've written down is that this movie is Jurassic Park but for kids. I guess that How would work. Dinosaurs anyway. were back. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that too, but I that yeah, theirs is not really the same. Anyway, yes. I was thinking more along the lines of an American tale meets Bambi. <laughs> that is that is very good. Alright, the two that I have written down are Homeward Bound meets the Good Dinosaur. Uh, and also, Muppet Babies meets those original Power Rangers machines. <laughs> They're called Zords. <laughs> yes, they are, but if I'm but pitching it, I can't ones? use a made-up word. <laughs> yes, the dinosaur ones. They didn't have a Mastodon or a Sabertooth Tiger, but the others make an appearance. Oh, how about Homeward Bound meets Ice Age? <laughs> yes, I thought about Ice Age, too. Yeah. But I so American Tale, right? First of all, it's another Don Bluth film, so it is there's that. But he he gets separated from his family right away at the beginning and spends the whole time searching for them. He he. So. Don Bluth has a lot of films that are about um, finding a home or finding your family, things like that. Kind of connectedness is a big theme. All right, so we will move on to what is it? Uh, alternate subtitle. So a quick quip that'll go right after the title of the film, giving you uh, the sense of the film as a whole. Anybody have something for this? I was waiting for Sarah, but apparently she has nothing either. <laughs> no idea. Um, dinosaur children need a GPS. <laughs> <laughs> that was very good. Mark, how about you? Uh, this was the one that I had problems with for some reason. I always want to describe it exactly what it is. Mm. Oh, I got another one. Yeah. Dead mothers aren't just for Disney. <laughs> That's very good. Uh, the two that I have are The Land Before Time, but After Racism. Uh, on The Land Before Time, Tar Pits Ain't No Thing. That makes me sound real sassy. Like. Yeah. Well, Jurassic thing. Park meets Sister Act. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Uh, Mark, did you have something? I definitely, I definitely like Petrie voiced one by Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> Would it be better? Yes, so much better. It'll I be like so. a hyena in The Lion King. But her whole point was that it was an adult voicing a child character. Yeah, but, it'd be but I think Goldberg. I'd give a, a pass for Whoopi Goldberg. She is an EGOT. Don't we have... What's the other one? The other one is the TV Guide description, where you give an accurate 
uh, description of the plot of the movie, but totally misses the point of the movie. Uh, for instance, this is, well, this is kind of along the same lines, but this is the actual Netflix description for this film. When an earth-shattering quake kills both of his parents, a young brontosaurus named Littlefoot teams up with other orphan dinosaurs to survive. Some of that information is wrong. Exactly Correct. so. Um, small dinosaur children refuse to let adult carnivore have dinner. <laughs> I've got a young boy convinces his friends to seek murderous revenge on his mother's killer. <laughs> a young triceratops goes on a quest to make friends. <laughs> oh, it fails. <laughs> Uh, a group of young children team up and solve racial segregation. Ooh, <laughs> I like it. I, I never would have thought of that, obviously, as a kid watching right. this, but that was, like, immediately the first thing that came to my head when they, like, the first scene when, when they said, uh, Three Horns, don't play with long necks. That was the first yeah, thing like, that I thought right, of. exactly. Like, Dino racism. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. I think we've gotten to ratings. So, I think what we decided last time um, was we give the potato scale to describe the movie, like the emotional state, and then give a rating on whether we rewatch this film. It's kind of what we did last time. Yeah. So, potato scale. How do you guys rate this film? I gave it somewhere between a mashed potato and a tater tot. Okay. I think... Like, overall, a lot of stuff is still really good. The music is good. The visuals are good. It's a beautiful story. I think, in some ways, it's very simplistic still. Maybe um, the depth of it is still more for children than anything else. But overall, like, it's a heartwarming story. It's beautifully done. Um, it's something that I don't know if I'd watch it again on my own. Mm -hmm. But, like, if I had any of my, like... Um, cousins, kids around, or were babysitting, something like that. It's definitely one that I would recommend to them and want to watch with them because it's it's beautiful, it's great, it's held up well, I think. Hmm. All right, Mark, what do you got? I would agree with that. I'm I'm trying to. Um, I think I was rating it more mashed potatoes to blue potatoes. I don't know exactly what our description is that says adult downer, but there are definitely very sad moments in yeah. this film. And I'd some of them are things that even even as a kid, like I knew it's sad that the mother died and all this stuff was happening, but I think you kind of feel it more as an adult when you're watching this and you can see everything happening. Mm -hmm. Um although I do like the tater tot side that Sarah gave because it is still obviously marketed for children so yeah. Yeah. uh i actually i'm gonna split my bets here as well uh but the two that i chose were blue potatoes uh and potato skins so blue potatoes obviously because you have a, a mother dying and it is very depressing actually watching a kid go through the stages of grief of his mother passing uh and potato skins because because it is a much older movie uh, nearly 30 years old. Um, yeah, just like you. Yeah, I know. It was the year of my birth. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, there's not enough depth to it, especially compared to children's movies of today. 
So, I mean, if a child today is watching Pixar and, like, Zootopia, you try to show them this, there's not really a lot of depth to it. Another movie with animal racism. Absolutely. Though, that's kind of carnivore versus herbivore racism. This has carnivore versus herbivore versus other herbivore racism. I know. Yeah, so, I don't know. If I was trying to entertain a child, I don't know if this would be my choice to show them. So to me, it is, it is lacking just because it is from an earlier age of animation. My thing is, apparently, Don Bluth does have a copy of the director's cut before they took all the stuff out. My question is, will that ever get released? Oh, interesting. That would be pretty cool. I don't know. To that see all those other kind scenes. Of interesting. Yeah, because I mean... I think that'd be far more enjoyable as an adult to go back at something well, that you enjoyed as a kid and see all the graphic stuff that they took out. And also, it was much longer then, and, mm -hmm. and with some of the things that make it seem very short, be mm -hmm. fixed by seeing that longer version. Maybe. I don't know. He has it. Is there something that's preventing him from letting it go? Maybe when he dies, it'll be released? I mean, he's kind of old. Well, maybe we'll just have to wait a few years. All right, so rewatchability scale. I personally, let's just say this is out of 10, uh, I would probably rate this as like a four or five. Uh, I rewatched it for this. I am not particularly nostalgic for this film, and there wasn't really enough there to entertain me as an adult. It's not as campy as Goonies was. So I don't think I'll be rewatching this one for a while. And if you're nostalgic about this, I say, maybe give it a pass, let it live in the past for you. I would say a seven, but with children. Okay. Take the children with you. Make it I, be like family yeah, time. I would agree with that. I think it is still a kid's movie. I think for me, I enjoy watching it just because of that nostalgic part that you just hit on. So mm -hmm. apparently... You're just telling me that I need to leave it alone. But <laughs> Hey, I'm just saying it's not for me. If you but want yeah. to convince people nostalgia for this movie, to watch this movie, by all means, go ahead. If, if you grew up with it and it was your favorite movie, I think I would still watch it again. But yeah. I, think I wasn't disappointed. It's, it's better with children because it's made for them. And then yeah, I they definitely... have something to grow up with, too. But It feels like one to share. Yes. Mm. Interesting. It's one. It's it's interesting. I mean, it's nice to watch it by yourself. But again, for me, it's because of the nostalgia of it. If I if I had not seen it before, it would be better as a group with yeah. children. The the plot isn't so complex and deep that you can really watch it on your own, like some of the the Disney ones of the Disney Renaissance. But it's it's cute and it's heartwarming and it's beautiful enough that I think watching it with your kids or your nieces and nephews or whatever i think it's a good family time movie to watch together hmm. i don't regret it all right there you have it that's our ratings all right so sarah you've chosen our next film i have all right and have you also chosen how you want to reveal it to us yes so i have chosen another animated movie okay darn and it is hmm. again <laughs> Sorry, Mark. <laughs> um, it is again about a group of friends 
attempting to find their new home. Hmm. Is this... There's a... Wait, is this like an American tale? FIFO Goes West? It is, it is not a Don Bluth movie. Okay. So that should narrow it down. It does narrow it down. It... And finding there a are a lot of conflicting personalities. And they go through the scary woods. And I'll give you the biggest hint. Yes, thank you. They are not animals. They are not humans. Wait, what? Are they? They are not even animate. <gasps> Brave little toaster. Brave little toaster. Yes. I am so looking forward to this film. So I never yeah. would have gotten that right because I have never seen that movie. <gasps> oh, really? Mark, you are in for a treat, or perhaps this will be your. Land before time, as it applied to me. Maybe. Um, I picked this one because um, looking at... I probably saw this around the same time I would say I would have seen Land Before Time, or at least the same age. I saw this as a really young child, and it had some of the same themes mm -hmm. of, of them trying to find their home and get back to with what they considered their family, which was their owner. And, and those sort of a group of friends going through trials and stuff like that. However, I would consider this movie a lot darker. Oh, for sure. Like, this movie should not have been allowed for children. <laughs> I loved it. I watched it constantly. Yeah. Like, I remember seeing it. I remember there was the, bra the titular Brave Little Toasters in the film. There there's is, like a there's... stove, I think, that comes along with them. Maybe. No, there's no stove. There's a toaster up the, the toaster oven, the brave little toaster. All right. There's an electric blanket. There's a vacuum cleaner. There's a radio and oh, okay. I don't. I might there's be a, missing one. Yeah. So I know that the the electric blanket is kind of a baby throughout the entire yes. film. It's a very oh. young oh. character. I remember you there's telling me about this before. There's a lamp. I forgot about the lamp. Yeah, I remember at one point they go through a junkyard and there's an electromagnet that threatens <gasps> to kill them all. Well, it doesn't really isn't sentient the electro thing. It just they're the cars sing a song as they're being crushed about how sad their life is that it's ending. Right, and they get crushed into cubes as they're singing the song. Horrifying. Uh, the <laughs> yeah. new appliances try to kill them. Also, um, I do have a question as an adult: Why the people moving away from this house didn't take their appliances with them? Well, I think it was maybe the summer home. Oh, if I, okay. I don't remember, but I think it was like a second home or something like that. Interesting. I and I don't know what happened to his parents or something. He was going to like call or had just graduated college or something like that. So I don't think he was really in charge of the house. Also, how do the humans react at the end that all of their stuff has moved houses without them noticing? Well, he finds them at the junkyard. Oh, okay. And just says, oh, it looks like my old stuff. I'll take it and fix so it up. So now you're giving away the whole movie to me. I guess I, know, I don't I'm have sorry. to watch Spoiler it. alert. Oh, no. <laughs> Retroactively. Is, you have to. It is horrifying and great, I, and I love it. I will it. say, when you first said something about group of friends, and then you said scary woods, and then you said they're not human... I was thinking more along like the old school animated Lord of the Rings or oh, The Hobbit or something, but uh, no, we're not going there yet. I I can't handle that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so that is my choice for next week: All the Brave right. Little Toaster. All right, let's wrap this up. This has been another episode of Retrograding. Thank you for listening and join in with us next week when we visit one of my favorite childhood films: The Brave Little Toaster. Oh,